scripture lesson this morning is from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 through 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 through 11. Let's hear the word of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would be with us as we think about and meditate on your word this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would minister to those this day who are walking through the fire of suffering. And we pray that you would comfort and strengthen them. And for the rest this morning, we pray, Father, that you would help us to store up these verses, these principles, this faith in our heart for the time when our day of suffering and trial will come. Speak to us now by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Daniel chapter 3 tells the dramatic and exciting story of three young Hebrew men who walk bravely into the fire of suffering and found that God was faithful. The Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, had made this giant golden image and commanded that everyone in his kingdom bow down 
and worshipped to it when the trumpets sounded and the music was played. Whoever would not bow down and worship would immediately be thrown into the fiery furnace. Now, faced with a choice like that, most people are going to say, I don't know what this statue's all about, but the king's got some crazy idea, and I'm just going to go with the flow here and get along. And that's what millions and millions of people have done in oppressive regimes throughout history. But as devout Hebrews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not and could not bow down in worship to the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. They could not worship anyone but God. And Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage at their refusal to join in with the program. And he warned them sternly one last time, saying, If you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands. Now, knowing the end of the story, we may not feel the force of that, but King Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful man on earth at that time. His word was law. He ruled a great empire. And it was no empty threat when he said, who do you three young Hebrew men think is going to deliver you out of my hands. I have always loved their answer to the king. In Daniel 3, verses 16 through 18, we read, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And so when the trumpet sounded and the music played one more time, They didn't bow down. I wonder if Peter might have had this story in mind when he wrote, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes. Jesus himself told us that it would be through many trials that we would enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Do the modern health and wealth preachers who never preach about suffering, who have no message about suffering, no theology of suffering, know something that Jesus didn't know because Jesus said it's through many trials that we enter the kingdom of heaven. Most all of us, at one time or another, will have to walk through the fires of suffering. Maybe not literally the way Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. But we will have to walk through the fire. Some of you may be walking through the fire right now. And so, in this passage this morning, I want to focus on three things that the Apostle Paul teaches and the Holy Spirit teaches us that we need to remember when we go through the fires of suffering. Now, there are many other things in this passage, but I'm going to focus on these three this morning. And the first one is that God is our comfort in times of suffering. God is our comfort. Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Where does encouragement come from? Where does comfort come from? It comes from the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction. And then he says, for as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, and I I spoke on that several weeks ago. We share in Christ's sufferings. We follow a leader, a master, who suffered more than anyone has ever suffered or ever will suffer to purchase our redemption when he died on the cross. To purchase your salvation if you trust in him. And so we follow a savior who was a man of sorrows and who suffered. And many times in the course of following Jesus, we will also share in his sufferings. But... The sequel to that sermon is this. As we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. We share abundantly in comfort. There is a consolation. There is a hope. There is Encouragement for those who walk through the fires of suffering. Now I have to say this as a guy. I really don't like the idea that I might need comfort. That just kind of sounds like something for women and children. I'm sorry if that is offensive, but that's the way it comes across to a lot of us. Uh, who are of the male 
persuasion. We're taught that we're supposed to be tough and strong and we can handle anything and nothing moves us. We don't need help from anyone else. And even if we do, we probably wouldn't admit it. Um, But you know, I've been around a few years. Uh, This past week I had a birthday and I'd like to tell you it was 49 or even 50, but I'm halfway to 60 now. And I've seen a lot of people go through the ups and downs of life. And I want to tell you that I think men do seek comfort. They just seek it in different ways, perhaps, than women do. Uh, Many men will seek comfort in a bottle. And it might destroy their life and their family and the ones that they love. They're seeking comfort. We read about all the scandals and high-profile people who fall into affairs. Many of them are seeking comfort. Many times men become uh, addicted to pornography. They're, They're seeking escape. They're seeking comfort. Or they escape through immersing themselves in their work so they don't have to deal with the problems in their lives or in their family or in their own character or behavior. They just immerse themselves in, in, in their work. But none of these things will be enough when you walk through the fiery trial. None will be enough when the furnace is heated seven times more than usual. At those times, you need God, and God is the only one who can help you. How does God comfort and help us in the fires of suffering? Well, first of all, He knows what we're going through. He knows as one who's been there and more. He knows. He knows. He understands. He cares. And so we read in Psalm 34, 15, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and he hears and his ears toward their cry. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Are you brokenhearted? Sometimes we go through trials where You just can't think about anything else. The the emotions, the the concern, the burden just consumes you. You don't really feel like eating, and if you do eat, you don't enjoy it. You think about it when you go to sleep. You dream about it when you sleep, and it's on your mind when you wake up the next morning, and it's oppressive, and you can't get away from it. But you know what? When you go through those times, the Lord is near. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. 
Another way that God comforts us is that he stays with us in our trials. Jesus said that it's good for you that I go away, because unless I go away, the comforter won't come. But if I go away, he'll come and he will be with you forever, the Holy Spirit. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth, Psalm 146, 18 says. And in Hebrews 13, we read, For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You may not think that you need comfort. But when you walk through the fires of suffering, it's a great comfort to know that God understands. That God has walked there before you, and even now, He is walking there with you, and you are not alone. That's why I love in this story of the fiery furnace in uh, Daniel chapter 3. When the, the three young men are thrown into the fiery furnace and the fire is so hot that even some of the men who threw them into the fire are consumed, something unexpected happens. We read in Daniel 3.24, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. And he declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see... Four men, unbound, walking in the midst of the fire. And they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Jesus was with them in that furnace. And his face was brighter than the flames of the fire in the furnace. And they walked around unbound and unharmed. And he will be with you if you trust in him, if you lean on him when you walk through the fires of suffering. The second thing that we learn in this passage in 2 Corinthians is that when we walk through the fires of suffering, God is our strength. God is our strength. In Psalm 46, 1, we read, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And then in Isaiah 41, 10, we read, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. 
I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so Paul was going through this time of trial, this fire of suffering in his own life. And, you know, I tend to think of Paul as sort of invincible. You know, here's this guy that's just unstoppable. And he'll go to one town and his enemies will get people all stirred up against him and they'll stone him and they think he's dead. They walk away and he kind of dusts himself off and gets up. And pretty soon we see him in another town preaching once again. And, and, and he was, I think, such a strong personality that, and such a driven person, so, so passionate about his faith, so passionate about spreading the gospel, that he did find it hard to be sympathetic uh, to uh, John Mark when he, when he left perhaps in fear uh, because he wasn't up, he wasn't ready for the trials that they were facing. But having said that, Paul was not invulnerable. God brought Paul to the place where he was not able to do it on his own. And so this is what he says. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. That's a different Paul, isn't it? That's a different picture. Here's a guy who opens up his heart and he said, you know, we were... At our wit's end. We were burdened beyond our strength. And we despaired of life itself. Indeed we felt that we had received the sentence of death. And then here's what he learned. Here's what he learned when God brought him to that place. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves. But on God who raises the dead. And that is something we need to learn. That's something I need to be reminded of day in and day out and week in and week out. Because what we try to do is we try to live the Christian life in our own strength. We we try to live according to this book in our own strength. We try to be a testimony for Christ in our own strength. We try to face the trials that come our way in our own strength. And finally, we reach a point where it's beyond our strength. And we know it. You've probably been there. I've been there. And as many times as I've been able to figure out a way, I reach a blind alley and I say, God, I do not know what to do here. I do not know how to get out of this. I don't have the strength to do it. And you know what? That's a wonderful place to be. 
If we didn't have a great God, that would be a terrible place to be. If our God was like Nebuchadnezzar's image, that would be a dreadful place to be. But you see, the God that we worship is a God who raises the dead. So do you think that when you get to a place that you don't know what to do and you don't have the strength to carry on, a God who raises the dead won't be able to help you? Paul said, that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Another time, Paul had a thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it was. Some... Some affliction, I don't think it was a character flaw, but some affliction, something that drove him crazy. And he pleaded with God, pleaded with God to take it away. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. I could take it away. But Paul, here's what I'm going to do. Instead, I'm going to give you the strength that you need to live with it, to overcome it, to glorify me in the midst of it. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is not revealed in your strength, Paul. My power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul goes on to say, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I have always been inspired by the martyrdom of Hugh Latimer. And this is a summary of the story I pulled off of the Internet. When Henry VIII of England died, he left three heirs, his son Edward and his two daughters, Mary and Elizabeth. Edward succeeded to the throne and was a staunch Protestant, or at least his advisors were. And under his rule, the church services, previously in Latin, were translated into English, and other changes were made. But when Edward died, the throne passed to his sister Mary, who was firmly Roman Catholic in her beliefs. And she determined to return England to union with the Pope. With more diplomacy, she might have succeeded, but she was headstrong and would take no advice. Her mother had been Spanish, and she determined to marry the heir to the throne of Spain, not realizing how much her people of all religious persuasions feared that this would make England a province of the Spanish Empire. She insisted that the best way to deal with heresy was to burn as many heretics as possible. It is worth noting that her husband was opposed to this. In the course of a five-year reign, she lost all the English holdings on the continent of Europe. She lost the affection of her people, 
and she lost any chance of a peaceful religious settlement in England. Of the nearly 300 persons burned by her orders, the most famous are the Oxford martyrs. Hugh Latimer was famous as a preacher. He was the Bishop of Worcester in the time of King Henry, but he resigned in protest against the king's refusal to allow the Protestant reforms uh, that he desired. Latimer's sermons speak little of doctrine. He preferred to urge men to upright living and devoutness in prayer. But when Mary came to the throne, he was arrested, tried for heresy, and burned together with his friend Nicholas Ridley. And his last words at the stake are well known. Be of good cheer, Master Ridley, and play the man. For we shall this day light such a candle in England as I trust by God's grace shall never be put out. Where do you get the strength to do that? Where do you get the courage to face such a terrible fate for your stand and for your faith? That comes from God. God is our strength. And he will be there for you as he has been there for me and for so many others when you go through the fires of suffering. And finally, God is our hope in suffering. God is our hope in suffering. And so Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he delivered us from such a deadly peril. What Paul feared might happen didn't happen. He didn't die. God delivered him from a deadly peril. But he knew that every day his life was in danger. He knew that his days were numbered. And so he said, he delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. And I think that if you were to question Paul about what he meant there, I think that he was probably echoing the same thoughts and position that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had said to King Nebuchadnezzar centuries before. Our God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand. Now the footnote there is, we're not exactly sure how he's going to do that. We don't know if it's going to be a miraculous deliverance. We don't know if this is going to be our time to die for our faith. But either way, we're going to be delivered from your hand, King Nebuchadnezzar. And we will not bow down. And you will not 
have control over us. So I think there's some of that when Paul said he delivered us from such a deadly peril. You see, I have known people whose only prayer was, and their only hope was, God will deliver us and he'll do a miracle. And that's a great hope. And many times it happens. But God is sovereign. And sometimes he delivers another way. And ultimately, ultimately, God delivers us not only from the fiery furnace and the fires of suffering that we go through in this life, but he delivers us from this life itself and all of its hardships and trials and hurts and disappointments and limitations. And he takes us to glory. He takes us to be with him forever. I think our sister Mary has given us such a wonderful testimony. First of all, 97 years faithfully loving God, serving God in a way that inspires all of us and makes all of us want to try to do what she did and live the way she lived. But you know, in recent weeks, as her health was failing, she wasn't praying that God would give her more days in this life. She was saying, pray that God will take me home. It's time for me to go. It's time for me to leave this world and leave this suffering and be with my Lord. Paul put it this way, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For in this hope we were saved. Yes, we do suffer. And maybe you haven't experienced it, but you probably will. Some more than others. But ultimately our hope is that God will not only deliver us from this tight spot or this dark place or this defeat or failure or hurt, but ultimately we have set our hope on him that he will deliver us from bondage to sin and death and we will be raised to eternal life with him in glory forever. And so Paul writes... In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, for this slight momentary affliction. Now, earlier he said, we were, we were completely beyond our strength. We despaired of life itself. But then when he steps back, he says, this slight 
momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. There are fires of suffering that all of us have to walk through. You may have friends who support you and who pray for you. You may have a spouse who dearly loves you, but you ultimately will have to go through that trial, that fire, that valley perhaps of the shadow of death yourself. Sometimes God does a miracle as he did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were thrown into the furnace, but they didn't burn. In fact, even the, their clothes didn't smell like smoke. Their hair wasn't singed in any way. Sometimes God delivers in another way. Sometimes he takes us home to be with him. The point is, though, that whether God delivers us by a miracle or not, he's always with us in the fires of suffering. He understands. He cares. He's near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. He gives us the strength that we need. When the situations that we face are way beyond our own strength. And he promises that on the other side of the fire, the glory of heaven awaits us. So when it's your time to walk through the fire of suffering, be of good cheer and play the man. Brothers and sisters. Well, that's the time when, by God's grace, the candle of your testimony for Christ will burn the brightest. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that we have a hope that this world will never know. Yes, we go through trials. And yes, there are those here this morning who are suffering and who are brokenhearted and who are in need of your comfort and your strength and your grace. But remind us that you are always there, that we are never alone in the fiery furnace, that you give us the strength that we need when we have no more strength. Father, we pray that you would help us to be faithful to you because you are always faithful to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.